God is good. God won't send you through something you can't endure. And just because it didn't look good to us, it made us better. And it's going to be a year and two weeks. Oh, man. The church was meant to move. (laughs) Inside joke there. We're just so grateful to be in God's house and worshiping today. Uh, Let me give you our passage real quick, and then you can take your seats. How many like the song? It's a One Seed Worship original. It's pretty good. Thanks to Nolani being on there. She makes it sound a lot better. So thank you. (laughs) We're working on an album this year. Um, We're working on it. It's a lot of work, but we're working on it. If you don't ever start, you never finish. So starting has always been my hard part. So I said, Nolani, let's work on it together and let's do this as a group thing because that'll help me actually be consistent. And so we've been plugging away. We're writing songs and we're, we're doing things. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be good. And God is doing things. So let me give you my passage real quick because we believe it's reverent to stand for God's word because it's life and life giving. Colossians chapter one, verse nine through 18. When you have it in your minds, just say, I got it. Got it. Photographic memories. Or if you have a Bible, if we still use those. Verse nine, Paul says to the Colossians, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful. Everybody say fruitful in every good work and increasing. Everybody say increasing in the knowledge of God. If you're not increasing, something's wrong. You shouldn't be the same as you were last March. You should be increasing in your understanding, in your walk. You shouldn't be the same every year. God wants to nurture you and bring up new fruit, but you got to say, okay, God, I'm willing to listen to your call because you got good things in store for me. Verse 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. Ain't that right? and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God. Let me say that again. When you want to know what God looks like, Paul says, Jesus is the only face God has because God is spirit. And so he says, he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that on earth. If you see it, touch it, felt it, felt it, smelt it, it's from the Lord. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things, everybody say together, all things were created through him and for him. So when you feel like it's yours, just be honest and say, it's really God's. It really makes your life a lot easier because I don't have to hold on so tightly with my grip that's causing my forearms to hurt because I can't let go of something that's not really mine to begin with. Verse 17, and he is before all things 
and in him consist all things. And he is the head of the body of the church. That's us. And is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Everybody say preeminence as you take your seat. Look to your neighbor and tell him preeminence. You may be seated. Preeminence. That he may have the preeminence, that he may be preeminent, distinguished. That means distinguished. Is Jesus preeminent in your life today? When someone sees you, do they say, Jesus, I see Jesus. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying, do they see it? Maybe it depends what time of day and what day of the week. You ask us all. I can, I can relate to that. This is week four, our final week of our conversation series. In the first week, we, first week we talked about he said, he, he, said, he, said, he said, she said, I can't articulate always the best without my second cup of coffee. So the words just run together. <laughs> so he said, she said, that's about how we have our conversations in our marriages, which affect everything else. I don't know about you, but when I'm not getting along with my wife, everything else suffers for me because my motivation changes, my life outlook changes, my, my goals change because that's my core. That's my fundamental. That's why he says, she said it's so valuable that our conversations in the household have to be first and foremost priority to lead to everything else being fruitful. So then the second week we talked about church hurt, how we take this into the church and how, how we are to carry our conversations to people in the church and visitors from the church and people that are already in the church and that to be really, really astute, you have to actually be the least of the group and love on people and be graceful as Jesus was graceful to us. And that's kind of weird depending on what church you go to, but we're gonna try to like preach the Bible here. And so then, then the third week we talked about our kindness having a blindness and that we have to be blind to the things that are negative influences on our ability to be graceful because of a situation that comes up that no longer we're emitting grace this week or this time in the car because someone irritated me in traffic or did this or that, that my kindness has to live blind to negative influence. So this is our final week and... I pray this message touches you and, and leads lead you better than you were when you got here. And I was thinking about this message, and the other day I'm always kind of like touching the messages as time goes on before we have them on Sundays. And I get this text from my mom to say, can you come help move some furniture at my house tomorrow? And I don't know if you all heard the stories about my mom and her furniture, but it's usually pretty big stuff. So in my older age, because I'm 4'2 now, I can just say it, I'm 42 I'm not ashamed anymore. It took me two years. I say, send me a photo first, please. Am I lying? I said, text me a photo. Because me and my brother are starting to hurt a little more every time we be generous with our sonship. And so I say, hey, can you send me a photo? And so she sends me a photo. And I say, okay, I got I to gotta call the big rig for this. So I called Josh, my buddy. He's 275 pounds of pretty much muscle, a little less muscle than when we were younger, but still a lot more muscle than me cumulatively. So I called Big Rig Josh, and we come over, and it's an it's a armoire. Armoire? Armoire? How do you say it? Armor? I don't know what it's called. It's an armoire. It's like this hutch that's really tall, really heavy, and it's on the second floor, and it needs to go to the basement. That's down to the first floor, down to the basement. And there's one down there that needs to go up to the first floor, up to the one, the one where this one is. I want to swap those. Come on, mom, it's funny. 
It's been worse, so it really wasn't that bad. But so, so we went over there, we moved it up and down the stairs, and it was heavy. And I said, yeah, maybe this will be the last time. I don't know. But then we moved it and got it done, and it was great. And so uh, what day was that? Friday night, I'm sitting downstairs, and the entire left side of my body feels crooked. And I'm like, what is, what's going on? Like, I didn't do anything. I forgot I had moved a few hours earlier. My, my, the bone in my arm was hurting, kind of like when I slid into a deck when I was a kid and fractured it. It kind of hurt like that weird in the bone. And then my wrist was hurting. And then, Ben, my lower left back was like, felt like this, like chiropractic dream. And then, and then my left leg was weird. And the whole thing felt lower than my right side. You know, like when you see the V8 commercials, like, like all the sodium's really gonna balance out your diet. But what they tell you is that you're out of balance. I felt like this, and I'm like, what in God's name did I do besides walk up and down the stairs? I moved this furniture. And so I realized I had been carrying the weight in that hand, like this, up the stairs. Come on, Josh, come on. Just strap it to your back, Josh. Come on, he's an ox. I just put it on him and I'll sit on top like the king I am. No, I won't do that. He would drop it. And so, so, but I carried it like this all the way. And so I felt it all the way up my left side and still do a little bit, but it's better. And you stretch it right now. Okay. Sorry, guys. I just do what I need to do when I need to do it. And, and so, so I realized that my, my lack of strength was causing me to compensate my body in a contorted way that was not healthy for my physical future, okay? And so, so I was thinking about, like, how does this tie to the message? Why, God, did you put this story in my lap? Because when we try to lead, you know, leading is in everything we do. You don't have to be a, a boss of somebody. You don't, you could be leading yourself. You could be leading your children. You could be leading your congregation. You could be leading your, your spouse. You could be leading in all types of ways. And if you have no one, you could be leading yourself. And the way you lead yourself matters. And it starts with what you say to yourself, what you say to others, and how we lead in our conversations. And I thought, I thought the way I've been carrying this is low, is too much. I'm leading low. I'm leading with this furniture low. In this final week, we're talking about conversations of leading low. There she goes. Look at her on cue. Thank you, wife. Leading low. And what happens when God calls us to lead low, strength is a weird thing in culture. Like we think strength is good, but we got to think about what kind of strength we're emitting that won't cause us consequences later. Where I'm going to walk like this later. It's something we're taught that it's good if we carry more. It's good that I try to carry the whole thing, says the culture, because that, that validates my manhood. That validates I'm still a man and I'm not yesterday's news that I got to call some younger kid to help me. That validates all these things, right? That's what culture says, right? But that's not how God works. If you want to build muscle, you just need to lift more. And in order to lead and sustain the pressures of leading for a greater cause, maybe a heavenly cause, I must never forget though where my strength lives, else I might fail to the weight of leading low and leading alone. Good leaders never lead alone. You know, you can't lead alone. You can even preach to yourself, lead yourself out of the gutter of your mind. 
You need a leader for that. You need to preach affirmation to yourself. But in order to sustain the load, man, it hurts just talking about this. It's getting worse as I talk about it. It's not the first time I've hurt my back, Don. Remember the yoga incident? Like I, I did a down dog. Okay, down dog doesn't get back up. That's what happened that week. In order to sustain the load God has commissioned us to bear as witnesses in the world, we have to learn how to lead. We have to learn how to lead in a way that does so in a selfless way. And this starts and is driven by how we engage with this, our mouth. How we engage others is how we start leading according to God's way. Or we could lead our way with this and get different results. So this message could apply to leadership, but it can also apply to relationships, which is what this series is, because it's all relevant. Successful leaders put the focus on the sustainable source behind what caused the leader to flourish. They don't take the credit. They put, they put the, the glory on what the source is. The strength is in the source that was caused the labor, the leader to flourish. Why is it? Others are the reason. There's no successful leader without a team. And others are the reason. Others who invest their gifts talents and they bring the vision that maybe the leader started with, they collectively bring the vision into reality. And in return, there's loyalty earned, there's entrustment from those that good leaders influence. It's a team. Look to your neighbor, tell them it's a team. Look to your neighbor again, tell them we need you because it's a team. And without team, leaders can't lead. And without team, visions can't become reality. Remember the old hip hop, where's Nate? Why do I always reference Nate when I talk about rap? I don't know. Three years I've been doing that. I'm sorry, Nate. It's just me, myself, and I. Remember that one? Come on, somebody. Okay, we got a Jen. We, Jen knows me, myself, and I. I don't, who is the, do we remember the, the artist? I don't remember the artist's name, but it'll come to me when I'm driving home, and I'll send out a prayer request email. Thank you. For, I don't know. <laughs> Good leaders leverage the gifts of the team. And in exchange, the vision is becoming a reality. And leading from a low place, get low place, allows me to spread the weight I'm carrying across the arms and feet of Christ. What is that? That's all of you. That's all of us. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. In the, in the New Testament, the apostles, they, they took the gospel into the world and they spread the load Jesus was leading low. Jesus led low. He was leading low. He wasn't leading like this. Look at me. He was leading low. To be the greatest, you have to be the least and get in the gutter, in the trenches, and start digging the well. Start digging out the mud from the drain. You got to get a little dirty with the team. I can't do it alone, and I wasn't meant to. That last verse said that he may have the preeminence, preeminence. Leading low in my conversations allows Jesus to be preeminent. Leading low in my conversations leads to leading low in my actions, which allows Jesus to be preeminent because the number one fundamental and fruit of of a dedicated follower of Christ is leading low and letting Jesus be 
distinguished, which is preeminent. That's the mission. The mission is I see Jesus, but the culture says that I should be in the middle. It's the I problem, not an I problem. It's the I problem. I have an I problem that culture says I need to be in the middle and I need to hold on to what I have. I don't want you to take what I have. So good, what they call in the five levels of leadership, we're talking about leadership, but this is really about relationships. The first level is a failed leader because he thinks it's all about him and holds it, or she thinks it's all about her and holds it. That's not what a successful leader does. They have eye problems, and that's why they never get to level two and actually become a fruitful leader because they have eye problems. It's all about me. It's all about title. It's all about inflation of ego and self. And culture teaches us to win, we must be in the middle. Well, we see how Charlie Sheen has turned out. So I don't know if winning in his vocabulary or in his, his, his you know, in the cultural way is what God wants. Because you really could be losing, if you know what I mean. It's all about me or I'll lose. I mean, there's some truth to it. If I don't work, I won't get money to pay my bills. I can't say, Vincent, go do the job for me. That's not right. I have to be involved in some capacity in my own life. If I don't shower, I have to be the one to do the shower or this could be weird and everybody stinks and no one comes to church anymore because the pastor quit taking the showers. That'd be weird, right, Ben? Like we got a shower. There's some things we have to be in the middle of. We have to take accountability for. But overall, there's a lot of things that we could be second to because he is first. There's some things that are necessities and that in order to sustain, I have to be in the middle. But to really flourish in any vision, in any endeavor, I have to lead low. I have to lead low. I have to leverage people. I have to allow people in to my dream. I have to allow people into my hope, my beliefs in my world because we need each other. It says that he may be preeminent. The body of Christ is to carry the load low. One time I formed a band that was just going to play weddings and make like real money instead of like bar gigs that pay nothing. And, and I was going to call it the gig band. The gig band. What do we do? We play gigs. And uh, see, it's so clever. And, um, and so, so, so one of the guys in the band, he's like, He's like, we could, we could call it the wedding band. I'm like, it's genius because we're going to play like weddings. Like, how did you think of that? Like, did you spend a week going, hmm. the wedding band? And, and whatever domain this was that had the word wedding, because I think the wedding band might have been taken, he had the domain, it was free. And he raced home and he registered the domain before I had a chance to. I'm like, well, this is my band. And if it's going to be the wedding band, I have to own the domain. And I was like, real like, I was, we were fighting over who's going to get this domain. You know? There wasn't even any gigs. It was just this, what if? So we're fighting over a domain of a band that didn't even exist yet. You know, it's like fighting over the insurance of the record deal that never happened. And then you go down the tubes anyway, because artists never make it. But you fight three years and your band breaks up before your album comes out. It was like that. So, 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 um, so we race home, and I'm like, oh, uh, I, I beat you. I got it. But what, what, what I realized in my later self is I destroyed the culture of the band in an instant because I was so worried about losing control of the vision that I destroyed the culture that was going to create the vision to begin with. 
because it was already contention and it didn't work and I ended up not really wanting to do it, so I quit anyway. But I'll never forget that because I was so concerned and he was too. And we're like, no, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it. That's gold, the wedding band. That's gold. I hope you keep playing weddings. Otherwise, that domain's no good anyway. What if it's a bar mitzvah? The the wedding bar mitzvah band. I'm gonna get that one too. I own it. Who is, who, you can do a who is lookup. I own it. But it doesn't matter if you've lost your team because you've really lost control because you never had control. So we can get in this mentality of I problems and the fear of not owning the dream can cause me to discount my team and cause me to lose it all to begin with. I read, a, I watched a thing on Brian Houston. He's the pastor of Hillsong. They have one of the biggest churches in the world. And they asked him, do you ever fear people trying to overstep you? He says, no, not at all. He says, because they know my character. And for so many years, all I've done is try to leverage potential out of people and allow them to grow where they're fruitful. And they've just been loyal for 40, 30 years. So it's never been an issue. That's good. That's good to remember because that's what a good leader does. And that starts in your house. It start, this is not about position. This is about relationships. So when you're talking to your spouse, you can think, how am I talking to them? Am I talking in a lowly place that Christ is esteemed and preeminent as I communicate to my spouse? Because that's how grace will shine. It starts with your house. If you can't do it in your house, it's going to be hard to do it on a corporate level, in a church environment, on a ball team. It's going to be hard to translate. So it starts in those little conversations. It's really the difference between grip and leverage. How many know, like, one time I did, anybody did a grip, have ever done a grip test? Anybody? Anybody? Me and Jen. Jen, we're, it's our thing today. We've got, the, we've got the rap music and we've got the grip test. I like it. So, so they test your grip strength. And part of the problem with gripping too hard is stress on like, if you're lifting weights or anything, is if you over-grip, you squash growth. There's a difference between grip and leverage. Because if I over-grip and I can't let it go, it will never grow. You have to let it out in the world at some point. You have to let it into someone else at some point and leverage talents and gifts and passions collectively. And we can't leverage a move of God if our grip doesn't stay in grasp because we'll get tired. So we grip it too hard, we're going to lose it. We're whole, we're, anybody seen Cliffhanger? Oh, what a great thought. The opening scene, it's the worst. Don't ever watch it. Rocky, I mean, Stallone, Cliffhanger. Anybody? Michelle, Michelle's seen it back in like 95 or something. You're probably like in the sixth grade. Anyway, so, so there's a difference between grip and leverage. You're wondering, why does, what is he talking about? How does this apply to me? Because I'm talking about in your conversations, people, into myself. There's a difference between grip and leverage. Leverage presents angles to utilize. It's not too tight. It's got a grip strong enough to keep balance, to, 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 to utilize. But grip squashes growth. And there's a difference. Your grip can be too tight. And God is saying, your grip is too tight. You pray for my will, but your grip is so tight. Loosen your grip. You got to loosen your grip. I can't lead low if I don't loosen my grip. And it starts in my conversations with what I say. 
you can really squeeze somebody with words. You know, the Bible says every idle word we speak shall be accounted for in the day of judgment. Ew, I don't like that part. Words are weapons. Words are also blessings. Words can be graceful and words can be deadly. So this translates into how we use our grip and our leverage with our mouths into our actions. Is Jesus being distinguished? Is he being, is he preeminent? Grip controls, leverage assists. I want to control my walk with God so tight that I stay the same year after year because I want to so tightly grip that I don't like change. But God is saying, go to Egypt once in a while if you want to flee from the danger. But you got to obey my voice. You got to go. You got to do something different. You got to change to find change. Loosen your grip. Loosen your grip. God can but won't leverage against your overly tight grip. He's waiting for you to loosen your grip because he's got the leverage. He needs you to loosen. Paul says it over and over in a lot of his writings. The idea that we must decrease in order for him to increase. This is how he becomes preeminent. We shall be blessed. He shall be exalted when we loosen our grip. My strength to carry is not of myself. My strength comes from my weapons of worship when it's not of myself and I give it to God in everything I do. That's why praise matters. That's why coming to church matters. It's all a part of your worship. And when you grip your walk with God into a box, you will not see fruit come from it. It's all part of leading low. We should call it living low. Because to lead low, you gotta live low. I must decrease. He must increase. It's real easy to be me in a situation, but I have to remind myself, like the Bible on the dashboard, we were talking to somebody, and I said, we should get some gorilla tape, and we could double stick tape the Bibles on the dashboard of the car, so when you get really mad, <laughs> the Bible can't even fall off the dash, Ben. It's right there no matter what. And so it's a constant reminder that I lead this way, that I live this way in a lowly place, that he is exalted. I must decrease. He must increase. Remember verse 16, it said, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. All things were created through him and for him. All things were created through him, cool, but all things were created for him, that's different. That means my motive changes. When I realize it's for God in everything I do, that everything I earn is God's. All that money I've been holding on to, it was God's to begin with. Guess who gave you the job? Not the manager, God did. Guess who gave you, thank you, you can clap for that. We can praise God for something in this house. It's not a library, I like it. You, you, can, you can thank God for your health because who healed you? God did. I heard a great thing, oh, I won't go there. I want to create political stir in the church. But we can, let me say it like this. We can be super faithful and be a fool at the same time. We can say our faith has got it. 
But God says, then go to Egypt if your faith has it, because that's how I'm sparing you out of Herod's destruction. Joseph could have said, I'm just, when, when I'm jumping here, when Jesus was, when, when the angel told Joseph and Mary to go to Egypt, he could have said, said and said, I'm just going to be faithful. And guess what would have happened? Jesus wouldn't have made it to the cross. Jesus wouldn't have made it to the cross because God told Joseph and Mary through the angel that in order to be faithful and listen to my call, you have to go to Egypt. So they followed according to their faith. They didn't say, well, God is just able. I'm going to stay here and watch my two-year-old or my baby get, you know, it was two years and under. All the male babies were being destroyed by Herod. I'm totally jumping off course here to paint a picture that this is what our faith really has to do. It has to listen to God's call and listen for God's call. We can't live in the faith of ourselves. That's not faith. That's idolatry. Ooh, he said the I word. If, 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 it's, if, it's, if it's in our money, if anything takes the priority of God, it becomes our idol. So to be really faithful, we actually actually do something different when God gives us the warning to move, to do something different. Faithful move. Faith is belief in action. Because it's all his. It's all his. Anybody remember when Hammer went gangster? MC, he went from MC Hammer to Hammer. Does anybody listen to music? Was anybody alive back in 1990-something? Is anybody alive? Jen was alive too. Jen, this is just, God sent this word. <laughs> there was a period where MC Hammer became Hammer. You know, he was a minister too. And he had this song, it's all good. It's all good. Anybody? Nobody? Did I get a yep? Okay, thank you, Ben. That was his, can I say thug? Is that like not PC? That was his gangster move. It's all good. Instead of, um, you know, can't touch it. In the funny pants, he went to like thug outfit and everything. It was really cool. More like hammer, come on. It's all his. It's all his hammer. It's all his, Mm-mm-mm. it's all Jesus. Mm-mm-mm. And funny, later in his career, guess what he was saying? It's all God's, because he went back to the church because he started remembering it wasn't mine to begin with. He had everything. He's not even in my notes. He had everything. He, had, he was on top of the world leading high. But there was a point where he had to lead low. And when he started leading low, Jesus became preeminent and he changed his whole career field. Also because his, his albums didn't do good. But he went back to the church and became a minister of the gospel because the Bible says it's through him and for him. And that's what leading low is. And it starts with our conversation. My abilities as a leader, as a household relationship person, whatever my relationship is with them, I'm going to lead low because I will only bear fruit of the seed that God has put in me. The seed that, I, that I've taken from the world and try to grow, it's going to die anyway because it has no root. If y'all could stand with me this morning as we wrap up conversations. I think what we're going to do in the offering plate going forward is put espresso shots. <laughs> Just, it's a joke, people. You guys are so quiet today. I'm hearing like some crickets like at the theater. Remember when we had real crickets? Real crickets. It's a cricket nest behind the theater. So when you heard crickets, it's because there was really some crickets. 
Maybe you're trying to carry the, the furniture. I know that sounds tacky. You're trying to carry something though. And you're doing this. And you got the one hand hyperextended and your spine's starting to contort and you're starting to struggle up the thing. And you're like, I got it. I'm good. I'm good. You look good, right? You look good like that. You look like a pretzel. You're not good. Quit lying to yourself. God says, let me just lift it with my finger. He can just... Because when you lead low, he becomes lifted up. Be lifted higher. He lifts you up, brings back your balance. You can't lead unless you're leading low. This is when you want to lead low is through the spirit because God brings the balance. He carries the difference. It's all his. It's all for him and by him and through him. And so I will give my life to exalting him that he may be preeminent. Come on, somebody. Who's carrying something today that's getting a little heavy? You can leave it. You can drop it because Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I'll lift it. I'll carry the weight. I can do it.